Merry Christmas, Northeast. Kids, are we ready for tomorrow? Yeah, I already knew the answer to that question. Christmas is one of our favorite seasons at Northeast, and we are so glad that you have joined us for it. Christmas is one of our family's favorite seasons, my family. Each and every year at the beginning of the Christmas season, we sit down around the dinner table and we plan out all of the traditions that we want to engage together in order to make the most of this season. And each and every year, without fail, one of the traditions that tops the list is my kids' love of Christmas movies. And one of the things that we commit to every year is taking weekend moments to sit and snuggle on the couch with hot cocoa and watch our favorite Christmas movies. And so that's what we've been doing over the past several weeks. But you know what I've noticed over the past several weeks watching these movies roll one after the other? There is a common theme, a common storyline in every single Christmas movie. Have you figured that out yet? And, and I'm not talking about the Hallmark movies, okay? <laughs> We know those are like the conjoined twins of the Christmas family, right? All different names, but essentially the same thing. Now, I'm talking the classics like Miracle on 34th Street, It's a Wonderful Life, The Santa Claus or my personal favorite elf. Every single movie has the same Christmas storyline. Think about it with me for a moment. The storyline is simply this. There's a character that tries to make it on their own, but they end up falling short. There's a mystery that somehow ends up being revealed, and there's a mess that somehow becomes a miracle. It's the classic Christmas storyline, a character that tries to make it on their own but ends up falling short, like home alone. And Kevin tried to make it on his own, but ultimately at the end ends up needing the help of someone else, his neighbor. It's a mystery that ends up being revealed. In the face of a child seeing everything come together, it is a mess that somehow becomes a miracle. God bless us, everyone, right? The tiny Tim storyline. This is the story that we watch, and even though we know this, and even though we've seen these movies hundreds of times, all of us keep coming back to them and watching them year after year after year, over and over and over again. Why is it that we never tire of this story? I think it's because all of these stories remind us of our story. And ultimately, all of these stories have fallen and come out of one story, the story, the story that God has been writing and the story of God's redemption when on this night, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, for us. It is the Christmas story. You see, the Christmas story isn't just a story. It's not just a holiday story God gave to us that we might share it with our kids. It is our story too. So listen now to the Christmas story, how the book of John depicts the coming of Jesus, and listen to the themes of this familiar storyline found in the pages that God has written for us. The gospel according to John, John chapter one, verse nine John says this, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this is he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. John's Christmas account is unique. It's not the Christmas account that we normally read on Christmas Eve. Compared to the other Gospels, where the Gospels paint a picture of Mary on a donkey, Jesus in a manger, John takes a completely different approach. He doesn't begin the story there. Because John focuses on something bigger. Instead of just describing the scene, John wants us to understand its significance. Instead of just talking about how Jesus came, John wants us to understand why. And so John begins in a completely different place. John says that Jesus didn't simply come as a baby born in a manger, that we might share the story. Jesus, he says, came as light in the darkness. The true light, he says, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. Yet the world did not know him. The imagery here is important. Darkness to light. We were in darkness. Christ came as our light. Have you ever wondered why it is that light is so important in the Christmas season? Have you ever paused for a moment and asked the question, why do we put lights on a tree? Why do I make my husband climb up on the roof? Why do we pay $30 plus tax to drive up to San Marcos and drive through Santa's ranch? Who did that this year? And no one wants to admit, no, I'm a good steward. The reality is light has significance in the Christmas story because John said Jesus didn't just come as a child in a manger. He came as light in the darkness. He came to illuminate and to provide us with something that we could not provide for ourselves. See, this is where the first of the Christmas themes comes flying off the page because even though he is light, John says, His own would not receive him. The world did not know him. The creator was rejected by his own creation. In this, we find the first of the three Christmas themes. We have tried to make it on our own, but we have fallen short. We tried to make it without Jesus. We rejected our own creator, but we have fallen short. Think about it. Like Clark Griswold. In spite of his best efforts, Clark cannot control work. He cannot control his Christmas bonus. He cannot control his family and crazy cousin Eddie. In spite of his best efforts to control everything in his life, Clark is falling short. He cannot make it on his own. Think about it like George Bailey. In spite of his best efforts, he can't help but feel like life is passing him by. There are questions he can't account for, things that haunt him. And so, like Buddy the Elf, we all end up bumbling through life trying to figure out where do we belong, where do we fit, who am I, and why am I here? 
But ultimately, like all of these characters, we're forced to realize that we cannot do it on our own. We fall short. And this is the story of Scripture. Jesus came for this very reason. We are the ones in the story trying to make it on our own and falling short. This is why Paul writes in Romans, for all have sinned and what? Fallen short of the glory of God. This is why Ecclesiastes 7.20 says that there is not a righteous man in all the earth who does what is right and never sins. We are the character in the story that has fallen short. But John says something amazing in the midst of this, that though we were in darkness, though we did not receive him, God still came. God still came. Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. God was not deterred by darkness. God was not discouraged by our dismissal of him. God sent his son and took on flesh so that we might see with our eyes his glory. This is the second theme in the Christmas story, that a mystery ends up being revealed. The word dwelling here, that that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That word dwelling is the same word used of the Old Testament tabernacle. If you're familiar with that story, where the people of God are wandering through the wilderness and God dwells with them in this tent, in this tabernacle. He picks up and moves with them. He picks up and leads them. He provides light for them. All of this imagery John is pointing back to because Jesus is the mystery of God now revealed. Think about it. How do you know the unknowable? How do you see the invisible? The world is asking the question, how do we know that God is real and he exists? And John answers it by saying that the word became flesh. We know because Jesus took on human form so that we might see with our eyes that God is. Jesus, John tells us, is the mystery that is revealed to us. This is a reminder that God was not distant from us, but instead he chose to be close to us. That he might dwell with us, that he might lead us, that he might provide light in our darkness. Jesus was sent on this night, wrapped in flesh, so that the mystery of God might be revealed like the scene in every Christmas movie when suddenly it all comes together and we recognize what has really been going on all along. This is why Paul would later write in Colossians that he, meaning Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. He is the mystery now revealed. But there's one last theme in every Christmas story because there's one last scene in the Christmas story that John reveals to us, that John reveals to us that the mess ultimately becomes a miracle. We're the characters who've tried to make it on our own and we've fallen short. Jesus is the mystery now revealed. And he and only he can turn the mess into a miracle. Listen to John's words in verse 16. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. Grace upon grace. Grace. In contrast, he says the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. In the Bible, the law was this thing that was impossible to follow. 
The question is, how do you keep your way pure? How do you live a perfect life? How do you follow all the rules all through your life and never miss the mark? And the Bible would answer the question and say, you can't, we can't, it is impossible. And so God sent his son to do what we could not do. Jesus, the mystery revealed, isn't just a mystery revealed. He came to take our mess and turn it into a miracle. This giant mess we live in, the mess of a broken world, the mess of our broken hearts, Jesus takes on his shoulders that he might stand in our place, die on the cross that we deserved, that he might provide for us something we could not provide for ourselves. Because from his fullness, meaning the fullness of Jesus with us, Emmanuel, God with us, John says we received grace upon grace. Notice, John doesn't say we receive some grace. John doesn't say we receive a little bit of grace just for the little things that we have done. He says we receive grace upon grace, which means grace multiplied. Grace even for the biggest things. Jesus, the mystery revealed is a miracle from God that he might fix this mess that we cannot fix on our own. Just a few chapters later, John would go on to write the famous words, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave his one and only son that whosoever believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. And the book of Acts then, Acts 4.12 would say, that there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we are saved. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I think the reason that we're so captivated by all these stories, the reason we grab the hot cocoa and we sit on the couch with our kids and watch them year after year after year, the reason why somehow, some way, Hallmark is successful in marketing the same movie to us and we fall for it is because all of these stories resonate in our hearts about our story too. We are the character that tried to make it on our own and we've fallen short. But Jesus is the mystery now revealed. And God gave his one and only son that the mess might be made into a miracle not based on your work, not based on your effort, not that you would do something that would endear God to you, but instead that Christ would do a work so that he might redeem you to him. This is our story, and it's why we revisit it every year and why it sings so loudly in our hearts. But the question is, what do you do with this story? Is this a story you just sit on the couch and watch play out through the lives of the actors on the screen? Or is this a story that you embrace because it's your story too? That I've tried to make it on my own and I've fallen short. And I, God, I've been praying for a miracle. See, maybe you're here tonight and maybe you feel a little bit like George Bailey. Like life hasn't worked the way that you had thought. There's still something missing, and in spite of your best efforts, you feel empty and hollow, and you're beginning to question if there's any meaning. Maybe you're here tonight, and you're a little bit like Clark Griswold. 
Maybe you've put your hope in the perfect Christmas. Maybe you've put your hope in the perfect Christmas bonus, and you've ended up with a fruit basket in life or a jelly of the month club. Maybe everything that you've put your hope in has let you down and fallen short, including family. And maybe in the midst of all of the hopes and all of the things that you shot for, you're finding yourself let down yet again, year after year. Will you tonight embrace the only one who promises, the only one who promises that he can fix what is broken? And will you tonight recognize that this isn't just a story, it is your story. And God so loved you that he gave on this night his only son so that he might do a work that you could not do for yourself. The way the scriptures say that we embrace this story and receive it as the truth in our own lives is when we confess our own brokenness, we confess our own sin, and we ask God's forgiveness. And the scriptures promise that when we do that very thing, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all unrighteousness. So tonight as we close, would you be willing to embrace this as your story? If you've never placed your faith in God's only son sent for you, would you tonight be willing to do that? To stop watching it play out on the screen and stop denying the tug that it puts on your heart and instead embrace a God who so loved you that in the midst of going it alone, he still drew near the mystery revealed in Jesus that he might offer to embrace the mess and do a miracle in your heart. Would you pray with me as we close? If you've never embraced this story as your own, but you're finding tonight that you have been living that life, that life looking for meaning, looking for something else, and it's been falling short, would you tonight be willing to embrace the person of Jesus Christ? And right where you are silently, would you be willing to place your faith in him? If you don't know where to begin that conversation with God, then would you just pray along with me as we close? Father, I confess my need of you. I confess that my heart, God, tempts me to place my faith in so many other things, in the Christmas bonuses, in the perfect environment, the perfect family, a perfect relationship, and yet perfection I cannot find. And so, Father, I choose tonight to believe the mystery that was revealed in Jesus Christ, and I choose to believe that you came for me. And I confess my sin to you, and I ask that you forgive me, and that you turn my mess into a miracle. So, Father, we lay these things before you. We lay our hearts and we lay our lives before you. And we thank you that in these moments you hear us and you promise that you will be faithful to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God is moving through this series, visit nebc.ch contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, or subscribe to our weekly podcasts. Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope that you join us as we continue to make disciples on mission for Jesus Christ.